meet their teachers out in the lobby. And my mic is too loud if we want to adjust that because uh, I'll probably get way more excited than that uh, here in a little bit. And so I want to make sure I save everybody's ears. I mean, Pastor Mark did such a great job last week of saving everyone's ears, and so I don't want to—I uh, don't want to drop the ball uh, on my turn now. And so we have been in this series uh, called "Draw the Circle." 40-day prayer focus, and uh, God put this on my heart several months ago, actually back in November, for us to walk through this time together, and I felt like it was leading into the state fair. And so we're today on day 22, so we're halfway through, and I want to encourage you, as Mark Batterson has encouraged us, uh, it's too soon to quit circling, it's too soon to give up, so just keep pressing in, keep pressing on, and we'll talk about that in, in today's message here in just a little bit. But, you know, humanly speaking, summertime is not a good time to do something because we all go in different directions. And so, you know, uh, here's the thing, as, I, as we were worshiping today, uh, I, the Lord put something in my heart as we were singing the song that I am a child of God. Um, a lot of times when I ask people, you know, hey, here's a, here's a draw the circle book. Uh, let's, let's pray together for the next 40 days. Here's what I hear. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Or I hear, well, I, I really can't, and here's why. You know, in this season, I can't. In this, you know, in this moment, I can't. Um, and so here's, here's what I believe. Whether you say you can or you can't, you're right. I mean, Tuesday night prayer, I, I really can't, I can't make that work. If you look for ways to do things, you'll find them. And if you make excuses why you can't, you'll find those too. So either way, you'll find them. You may not, you may, you may not hit every day. You may miss a few days. You may not be able to come every Tuesday night. Maybe it's just once every month or once every three months. But if you look for ways to do it, you'll find the ways to do it. And if you look for the excuses not to do it, you'll find those too. And that's kind of how it is. We like to make excuses. Well, that's really not my personality. That's not how I'm wired. You know, that's really, but I am a child of God. That's the truth that God wants us to, to understand. And so we need to stop waiting for the perfect moment and just step into the grace God is giving us to do what he's asking us to do. So the next time you're tempted to say, I can't, stop and say, Holy Spirit, could I? Amen. That was really good. And so... Um, <laughs> We'll just look for those things, and so either that was God or just me, but uh, either way, I liked it, so it was good for me. Um, this week, as Christina said, Mark Batterson is introducing to us the idea of fasting in uh, uh, the book, in the devotional, and I purposely did not use the fasting. I was going to say the F word, but I didn't want to offend you, but I said it anyway, so I might have already done it, um, but I didn't use the fasting word on purpose because I didn't want it to come from me. And uh, last week, Christina came to me and said, this is on my heart. I feel like we should do it. And I'm like, yes, because he's going to introduce it. And then next Sunday, service will be dismissed at 1130, give you a chance to do whatever you need to do. And then from 12 to 1, we're going to meet back in here. We're going to fast. We're going to pray together. And uh, Christina's going to lead that. So I'm going to challenge you to be a part of it uh, next week. It's going to be awesome. And so last week, we talked about praying hard. Uh, actually, Pastor Mark did and did a fantastic job. Excuse me. He did a fantastic job challenging us to pray hard. Amen? Um, here's the thing about Pastor Mark. He's got flaws. Did you ever notice? Um, in fact, he even admits them a lot. Sometimes even when he's preaching, he'll admit them. Uh, but if I was in dire need and I needed someone to pray me through, he's one of my first phone calls. 
Okay? Because he has modeled for us years of what it is to pray through, to pray hard. And so there was really no better person to preach that message than him. And he did a fantastic job with that. And I'm excited for what God's doing in uh, partnering us together for Redfield. I'm excited to have him on staff with us. And I'll tell you, he's hungry and he's growing. And when you do that, uh, man, look out. God's going to do some great things. So, but, but he's a part of that generation that we often refer to as knowing how to tarry before the Lord. Maybe you've heard that word, or maybe you've heard the word praying through or praying hard. Um, Because in our generation today, uh, we know how to pray, but I don't know that we know how to pray through. Because we're kind of a microwave generation serving a crockpot God. And so we don't necessarily know what that is. And it's not an age thing. Okay, don't, don't mis- misunderstand me because I've met older people who have no idea how to pray through. And I've met younger people that somehow that's, that grace has been deposited in them and uh, over the years and they know how to pray through. The first person, uh, the first young person I ever met, Brian Jarrett, he's a pastor in Texas that knows how to pray through and it was deposited in him by the faith of his grandfather and he's only a year older than me. And when I met him, he was in his late or in his early 30s and so it's not an age thing. Don't just think that because you're older or because you're younger, that's the generation you're in. No, the fruit of your life, whether you pray through, is is what we're looking for. And so Mark Batterson shares a testimony about his grandfather in a video. And I want you to see that testimony before I go any further this morning. I live in a city of memorials. The Lincoln, the Jefferson, Vietnam, and World War II. But my personal favorite is the Washington Monument. It stands 555 feet tall. When it was built, it was actually the tallest building in the world. It consists of 36,491 stone blocks held together by gravity and friction. I love the description of prayer in Acts 10.4. It says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Did you catch it? What we're doing during this 40-day prayer challenge is building a memorial to God. I had a grandfather who left a legacy of prayer. At night before bed, he would take off his hearing aid, kneel next to the bed, and pray for our family. Now, he couldn't hear himself, but everybody else in the house could. My grandfather died when I was six, but his prayers did not die. Some of the most powerful moments in my life have been the moments when I've experienced a miracle or a blessing I know I didn't deserve. And I've heard this still small voice of God say, Mark, the prayers of your grandfather are being answered in your life right now. Our prayers don't die when we do. God will continue to answer them long after we're long gone. So let's build a memorial of prayer day in and day out to a God who is going to show up and show off his power, his grace, and his faithfulness. It's time to think long. And 
that's the title of our message today, Think Long. And what a legacy. And I don't know if you, I hope that you have someone in your life that you can look back on that's prayed for you, that that's a legacy that you can carry. But if not, could I challenge you today to be the first link in the chain for your family? Because it's never too late to begin. It's never too late to say, you know what, I want to leave a legacy for someone else. Because when you pass on, who's going to say, hey, their prayers are being answered in my life. So I don't care if you're in the room today and you're 15 years old, or I don't care if you're in the room today and you're 90 years old. Begin today to start leaving that legacy of prayer and start thinking long. Because you never know exactly when God's going to answer the prayers that you're praying right now. And so that's what we want to challenge us with today. We're in Joshua chapter 3. And uh, we have been in Joshua chapters 1, 2, and 3 over the last several weeks. And today we're going to start with when Joshua comes to the people, he says this. He gives them this command first. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now that word consecrate maybe is a word that you've heard used in church before or not heard in church before, but here I want to give you the definition of what that word means. It means to set ourselves apart, demanding full devotion, dethroning self. That's just kind of the idea of what consecrate means. In the Old Testament, to consecrate ourselves was really all about external things. It was all about washing yourself. It was all about, you know, move, removing the physical contaminations that you've touched. But in the New Testament, Jesus taught us this in the Sermon on the Mount. It's really not just about external behavior. It's about the heart. Because you can control, you know, not having adultery. But if you don't control lusting in your heart, you've committed adultery. So consecration is about God giving God everything. It's not about giving God Sunday morning. It's about giving God 24-7 access and right to every part of our lives. It's not about giving God 10% of your income. It's giving him the right to every moment, every dime that you bring into your home. That's what it's about. It's about a fully devoted life, about fully surrendering to him. How many of you have ever heard the name Henry Varley? Have ever heard of Henry Varley? Do you know who that is? Maybe a few of you think you do. How many of you have ever heard of D.L. Moody? Every hand should go up now. See, Henry Varley was a British revivalist, and in his sermon one day he said this, The world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. And it just so happened as he preached that sermon that night that a young D.L. Moody was in the audience and heard that quote and set his life to answer that challenge. In fact, many times you'll see D.L. Moody as quoted as saying that, and he did repeat it often throughout his life, but it actually came into his life by a man by the name of Henry Varley, who you've never heard of, but you have heard of D.L. Moody. And so that's what we're talking about as we go through this study. It's not just about circling things in prayer. In fact, if you read today's devotion, you'll be reminded that we don't have to just seek answers. We seek God. And if you seek God, answers will seek you. And so don't get lost in this and just make it all about asking for things. It's about consecrating. It's about surrendering. It's about yielding. It's about making sure we're pressing in. 
we can go through religious motion and activity. You can have perfect church attendance all of your life and really never be fully yielded to God. You can be a tither and every paycheck, 10% of your gross every time and still not be fully yielded to God. You can point to a lot of big sacrifices in your life and big moments of things that you surrendered and yet not be fully yielded to God. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible and it's just been kind of lit up in me again recently is Luke chapter 15 because to me, Luke chapter 15 is a microcosm of the entire gospel because Jesus is talking to a group of people. He's talking to uh, tax collectors and notorious sinners and the Pharisees are upset with him over it. So Jesus tells them three stories. He tells them about a lost sheep he tells them about a lost coin, and he tells them about two lost sons. That's the stories. And we've talked about this prodigal God concept uh, for a, a number of years. It's kind of what changed my life. This message, this chapter, really changed how I see things. And what you've got to understand is Jesus tells the story, specifically that middle story, about the coins. Because the coin was lost in the house. The coin was still in the house. It just wasn't in possession of the owner. But what I love about the story is that the owner didn't stop going after the coin. And you can show up in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and Sunday, and if you're not really yielded and surrendered to God, you're lost in the house. But he will never stop pursuing you. But you've got to learn to yield more and more to him because it's not a question of whether or not we're in the family of God. It's a question of whether or not we're fully consecrated to him. And when we consecrate ourselves to God the way that Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves, I believe he'll stay true to his promise to do amazing things in our lives today. The problem is we want God to do amazing things in our lives apart from being consecrated to him. But here's the thing. It's all about our connection to him. It's all about it. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. You may have a desire to bear fruit, but you will not bear lasting fruit apart from abiding in him. The more you find a way to connect yourself and yield yourself to him, the more you will know how to how to bear fruit in your life, or you will bear fruit in your life. Joshua brings the people right to the edge of the Jordan River and tells them to consecrate themselves. And the second command that God gives him to give the people is this. Tell the priests who carry the ark, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, I love the song we sang today about you part the waters so I can walk right through it. And we remember that. I mean, when the people of Israel came to the river, came to the, the Red Sea, Moses lifted his staff and he parted the waters and then the people walked through on dry ground. And so we would think, just like the people of Israel, hey, we're going to go stand right there and then we're going to wait for God to part the waters and then we're going to walk through on dry ground. That's not how God did it this time. We like to just go back to yesterday well, this is how God did it the last time, so let's just do that, and we don't listen for what he's saying this time. 
He said this time, go stand in the water. And for many of us, this is kind of where we get stuck spiritually. Because we aren't wrestling with an unknown will of God. What you and I are wrestling with is the known will of God, what God has asked us to do that we're just not really keen on doing. We're not real fond of that idea. So we're looking for a way to get what we need from God apart from doing what God's commanded us. And we're standing on the banks of the Jordan right near our promised land. See, for some of you, you're like, Pastor, don't tell me I have to lift my hands and worship. Okay, I won't. You don't have to lift your hands to worship God. But here's the thing. Lifting your hands is a way to worship God. You don't have to be loud to worship God. But being loud, a shout, is sometimes what you need. And here's what I find. The one thing you don't want to do is the one thing that God's going to ask you to do to get to where you need to go. Because his desire is to have all of you. I mean, he loves you, he's pursuing you, but he's not content to look at your past and say, oh, look at all the great ways you sacrificed for me. He's saying, look at this one thing you're not gonna let go of, but when you let go of that, I promise you, you're gonna find freedom. I promise, and we're afraid. I don't wanna do that. I'm afraid, God, I'm afraid to do that. I don't wanna do that. And that's the one thing that's holding us back. We're waiting for him to part the waters, and he's waiting for us to step into the river. He's waiting for us to take that step of obedience. He's waiting for us to not just pray hard, but work hard. See, Mark Batterson keeps reminding us we have to pray like everything depends on God and work like everything depends on us. If you just try to do it all yourself and just work hard, it's not going to work. But if you just pray hard and wait for God to do everything, it's not going to work. You've got to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. So as we keep circling these things in prayer, I want to challenge you to look for opportunities to start taking a step of faith. You're not going to make your request happen. You're not going to make God answer. But sometimes your step, your action, faith without corresponding action is not faith. And sometimes you have to take a step of faith in response to what God is asking you to do, in response to what you're asking God to do. And you take that step of faith and God parts the waters. In Mark chapter 16, God said, Jesus says, these signs will follow those who believe. They will follow, not precede those who believe. They will follow you. We want them to precede us. We want God to take the first step, and he's saying, I'm waiting for you to do what I asked you to do. In day seven of our prayer journal, Mark tells a story about a, a farmer who was in uh, Mississippi, if you remember that. And they, they were in a serious drought, so they called a prayer meeting, and they began to pray for rain. And that farmer showed up to the prayer meeting wearing waders. Okay, now here's the thing. Wearing waders cannot make it rain. Or we would have lots of farmers in this area wearing waders right now. But sometimes you just do it. You act like God's going to answer your prayer. And you put on waiters and attend a prayer meeting because you believe it's going to rain. And the funny thing is, God answered their prayer for rain. And I wonder if it's connected to one guy's faith to just wear waiters. You can't make your prayers be answered. But sometimes what God puts in your heart to do that you're dismissing as ridiculous might be the very key to unlocking what he's asking you to do. 
Remember that our thoughts are 13.4 billion light years below God's thoughts, and we've got to find a way to just kind of close that gap and start thinking long because God thinks long. And if we start getting into his word, we start getting into his presence, and I believe the reality is that God's going to hear us, God's going to respond to us, and we're going to step into the things that he's asked us to step into. Here's the thing about our prayers. When we pray, Mark reminded us last week, every time you pray, God answers. You either get a miracle or you get grace to persevere. That's it. Every single time you pray, you either get a miracle or you get grace to persevere. And you don't have to decide which one you're going to get. You ask for the miracle. And if you get grace to persevere, then you keep circling and you keep praying hard, believing God's going to intervene. But where do those prayers go? They bounce off the ceiling, come back to us. Do they? I mean, I love the fact that the Bible tells us. Maybe you've never read it, but in Revelation chapter 5, look at this. Each one, these are the, the angels of heaven, had a harp. They held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. I don't know if you've ever heard something called harp and bowl music. Uh, IHOP kind of made uh, harp and bowl, not the pancake place, the prayer place, uh, International House of Prayer, for those of you that maybe didn't hear of it. Um, so not the pancake people. But they have something called harp and bowl where they just sing and pray. They praise and pray. They just back and forth. Because where does prayer start and praise start? Where does praise stop and prayers? It doesn't matter. God has collected every prayer you've ever prayed. And we sing, we pray, we praise, we pray. And all of that happens. And so then in Revelation chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, look at this one. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people, ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth. So here's what we know. You do not know when the prayers that you have prayed for decades are going to re-enter earth's atmosphere and get answered in somebody's life. Here's what I do know. No prayer you ever pray is wasted. It's all collected in a bowl in heaven, just waiting for the moment that somebody gets to hurl that thing to earth so that it impacts someone's life and changes the course of their destiny. Why not think long and pray hard? We've got to keep pressing in and keep praying. For us, part of our problem is we don't understand how the kingdom of God works. We live in a digital technological age, and as a result of that, we are conditioned to think that way. We want God to do things at the speed of light. We want God to use a microwave, but as I told you already, God uses crockpots. Now, he can use a microwave. He can part the waters. But here's the thing. If God parts the waters in your life before you pray or before you step, you better thank him because somebody prayed that miracle into your life at some point in the past. Did you catch that? Somebody in your past who's been praying for you opened up a way for you to walk through on a miracle. 
And you've got to make sure you thank God for that opportunity. Because you didn't do it, it wasn't coincidence, and it wasn't just because God is good, although he is good. It's because somebody prayed you through that moment. God's kingdom is not technological, it's agricultural. And you would think in this agricultural area, you and I would understand that. So God doesn't always answer our prayers at the speed of light. He answers our prayers at the speed of seed. Seed. And you plant seeds in the ground, and they have to take root, and then they have to grow before they bear fruit. I don't know any farmer who plants a seed and then checks on it an hour later to see what's happening. He doesn't go home and say to his wife, I planted those seeds today. I'm going to have to retill that ground tomorrow and plant again. Nothing's happening. Any farmer like that ain't never getting nothing. Because you got to be patient. You got to persevere. You got to think long as a farmer. And yet, the kingdom of God over and over and over is told that it's seed. God answers in the form of a seed. I was reading the story this week in 1 Kings chapter 18 about Elijah praying for rain. By the way, did you know that God prophesied it was going to rain? Elijah told King Ahab it was going to rain, and then he went up on a mountain and prayed for it to rain. He declared it. And I know that sometimes we're like, well, you can't take Old Testament passages and apply them to our lives in the New Testament. But this one we're allowed to because James says Elijah was a man like us. And when he prayed that it would rain, it rained. When he prayed it wouldn't rain, it didn't rain. So we get to take 1 Kings 18 and apply it to our lives. And here's the thing. He sent his servant one time. Hey, go see if God's answering yet. He went, he looked. It's not raining. There's not a cloud in the sky. Seven times he sent him back. The seventh time he returned and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I want everyone to go like this. I mean, even do this, okay, because then you make your hand bigger. How big is that? That ain't very big. And the question is, if you were standing on a cliff looking out over the sea, would you see a cloud that big rising from the sea or would you miss it? And maybe the only reason that servant saw it is because he was looking hard because he got tired of running up the hill. Maybe the reason you have to persist in prayer is to get the kind of spiritual sight that when God deposits the seed, you don't miss it. Many of us are getting the answers to our prayers, but they're in seed form and we're missing them. And the reason we pray through isn't just to get answers. The reason we pray through is to get perspective from heaven. So when God answers in a seed form, you can grab that thing and you can put it in the ground and you can persist and you can be patient because you know that thing is going to grow and bear fruit. Because every seed bears fruit. So we've got to learn to cultivate persistence and perseverance because this 40-day prayer focus is not about getting God on our timetable. It's about trusting God's timing. It's about trusting that God is able to answer our prayers in a moment, but my job is to just keep believing that God's going to answer at some moment. I love the devotion that we had from day 13 in, in Draw the Circle where one day could be today. You know, how many times do we read in Scripture the word suddenly or one day? 
And you never know when you wake up in the morning if today could be one day. So the question is, are you looking for it? Are you looking for God to answer your prayers? Are you expecting God to answer your prayers? Because what you look for is what you will find. If you're not looking for God to answer your prayers, you will miss it when he starts answering. You won't be able to latch onto it. Here's the thing. We have been praying for years in this city for God to make this a house of prayer, for God to raise up a generation of prayer. And just this last week, I mean, I gave people draw the circle books so people are like, man, God's really opening my heart to pray. But just this last week, one of, my, one of the, the young men that I know just came back from a missions trip. And do you know what he came back fired up about? Prayer. He learned how to pray. He said, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to encounter God. I didn't know how to experience God. And guess what? He didn't even redraw the circle. How'd that happen? Because this is the message that God is resonating in the hearts of his people across this city. The reason this book is resonating with anybody right now is because God was already stirring prayer in the hearts of his people. If I would have gave this book out, people could have been like, eh, because God's not stirring it, but he's stirring it. So when he put on my heart to give this book away, it's because he was already doing something, and so it stirs their heart. This isn't a magic book. It's not a silver bullet. It's a tool that God can use to unlock prayer in the hearts of his people. And we've been studying the book of Joshua. We've been studying what Joshua did, but today for just a moment, before we get out of here, we're going to talk about Joshua's friend. Because it's not fair to me that there's no book of the Bible called Caleb. Because there's two heroes in the story of Joshua and Caleb. And so in Joshua chapter 14 is the Caleb chapter. Caleb says this, Here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong as the day Moses sent me out. Remember, him and Joshua came back from the promised land as spies. Let's go in there. Let's take the land. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Forty-five years prior, the Lord promised that piece of property to him. And because, because of the unbelief of everybody else, not his own unbelief, not his own disobedience, but because of everybody else, he had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But listen, 40 years of wandering because of the mistakes of others did not dampen his spirit. He's been waiting for this day. And at 85 years old, he's not even going to get to enjoy for very long the, the land he's about to conquer. But he's not in it for himself. He's in it for the glory of God and the generations that are about to follow. And so he says, give me the hill country. You yourself heard that the Anakites... These were the giants. We believe Goliath was a descendant of Anak. The Anakites are there. Their cities are large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. 
This is a high country. This is a hill country. This is the hardest place to take. This isn't where you send your senior citizens. But I love the spirit that's in... <coughs> Excuse me. That's in Caleb. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. This city, this area in Israel is known as Hebron. Hebron. David was crowned king in Hebron. It was his first capital city as king. And do you know who descended from King David? Jesus the Messiah. So Caleb, at 85 years old, takes ground that David is going to be crowned king in so that Jesus could come as king, so that every generation since could be impacted because of the faith of one guy who's 85 years old. Talk about praying long and hard. That's faith. We have to be willing to cultivate patience and perseverance because God is collecting every prayer we pray and we've got to keep dreaming big, keep praying hard, and keep thinking long. In Draw the Circle, Mark tells us another story about Honey, the circle maker. And in this story, Honey is walking down the road and he sees a Jewish man planting a carob tree. And he says to the man, how long will it take that carob tree to bear fruit? And the man's reply is 70 years. So Honey says to him, are you sure that you are going to live long enough to eat the fruit of that carob tree? Look at the man's response. Perhaps not. However, when I was born into this world, I found many carob trees planted by previous generations. Just as they planted trees for me, I plant them for those coming after me. You and I are not just planting seeds of faith for us. We're planting them for the generations that have not yet been born. I am grateful for the, the generation that came before us that prayed prayers. I know. I'm thankful for a mom and a dad and for older ladies in our church and older men in our church that prayed for me as a young boy. And I know their prayers are being answered in my life. As much as I love the fact that Mark praised me a few weeks ago because I stayed here through all these years, the only reason I stayed here through all these years is because somebody prayed me through. And some of those people are no longer even on the earth. But I believe when you and I get to heaven, that is the only time we're ever going to see how God used every single one of our prayers to bring his will to pass. And here's what I want to challenge us today. Don't drop the baton on our leg of the race. For those of you that are oaks in this room, don't stop now. I don't care if you're 70, 80, 85, 90, 95. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what disease you have that's been named. It doesn't matter how much strength you think you have or don't have. It doesn't matter what you like or don't like. Let God raise up a Caleb spirit inside of you that reaches the generation that hasn't yet been born. 
because that's why you're here. If he didn't want you to do that, he'd take you home. If it was all about you, he'd just take you home because that's where you're going to experience bliss. That's where you're going to see him face to face. That's where you're going to get your reward. But the very fact that he's left you here means he's not done with you yet. Let Caleb's words reignite a fire in your heart. All of us need to be kingdom people that are willing to carry the baton for the generation that hasn't yet been born. Because here's what we know. God can do immeasurably more than what we would ever ask or imagine. You and I think in terms of the right here and the right now, but God thinks in terms of nations and generations. So the prayer that you think you're praying for your little corner of the world, God is saying, hey, I'm going to answer that in a way that's going to just blow your mind. When God seems like he's slow, you've been praying a long time, and he hasn't seemed to answer yet. Let me tell you this. What I know he's doing is he's maximizing his glory. He's maximizing the benefit, not just for you, but for who's going to come after you. And so don't be discouraged when it seems like God is slow. Just know that he is good and he is maximizing your prayer to the most. He is saving it in a bowl and he will one day hurl it to the earth and it will do way more than you ever imagined it could. Trust him. As we go through this 40 days of prayer... If God answers your prayer and gives you a yes, praise him. If God answers your prayer and says no, if he closes a door, if he says that that job's not for you, trust him. But if he says not yet, if it doesn't seem like there's an answer, keep circling because it's always too soon to give up. Here's how we're going to end today. I want to end in a kind of a meditative moment. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray for you. It's 1122. We promise you as best we can to get you out of here at 1130. I'm going to give you five minutes to just wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord. Because you're not going to be changed by what I said. You're going to be changed by what he says. This is about consecration. And so here's some questions for you. Does God have full possession of you? In fact, just don't look at me. Bow your heads. Don't look at me. Because I want you to think about something. I want you to think about whether or not God has full possession of you. Is there anything that you're holding back? Have you put everything on the table? If there's something that comes to your mind, don't don't take the, unless you've already put it on the table, don't take that thought captive and make it a, trust that thought and yield to him. Are your thoughts lining up with his thoughts or are you content to stay where below his thoughts? Are you letting him stretch you? Are you starting to dream bigger than you've ever dreamed before? Are you starting to think longer than you've ever thought before? Are you praying harder? Maybe there's a, t- a step of obedience that you know you need to take. Maybe there's a step of obedience that you need to retake. Maybe you've just not persevered. Maybe you've not pressed in. You've not been patient. You've given up. Here's the thing. He's the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, umpteen chances. 
How do I know that? Because he told me to forgive every person 70 times, seven times, and that's because that's what he does. And so if you've missed a moment, if you've stopped circling, today's the day to receive grace to persevere. Today's the day to receive the grace to be patient, to trust him, to just meditate on him and receive from him. And so in a moment, I'm going to invite our prayer team to the front, and as they come, if you need prayer, we want to pray with you, but if you just want to come and kneel, if you just want to sit in your pew, but would you take these last moments and just meditate on him, surrender yourself to him, yield yourself to him, let him start to blow your mind. Let him get you to dream bigger than you've ever dreamed before. Let him get you to take those steps of obedience that you've been afraid to take. Let him get you to think longer than you've ever thought before. And so, Father, today I thank you that even while we were your enemies, you demonstrated your love and you pursued us. You came towards us and you sent your son to pave the way, to open the way for us to have access to you. And I thank you that you didn't stop there, but every day of our lives, you are pursuing us. You are pursuing intimacy with us. You're pursuing relationship with us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would help that become a reality in the minds of every person here, that you are for us and not against us, that you are pursuing us right now in this moment. God, baptize us in your love today. Baptize us in your love today. If there are steps of obedience that we need to take, Holy Spirit, make those plain to us today. If there are things in our lives that we're holding on to that we haven't put on the table yet, make those things plain to us today. Deposit in our hearts the grace and the faith that we need to trust you, to step out of that boat onto the water, to take the first step before you ever show us the second step. Help us to hear your voice in this moment. Holy Spirit, make yourself known to this body, I pray. Bless them. Keep them. Cause your face to shine on them. Lift up your countenance on them. Give them peace. Overwhelming grace. In Jesus' name. If you want prayer, our prayer team is here in the front. If you just want to spend time in prayer, take these last few moments. Just kind of stay in his presence. Let him speak to you. When you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly. Let this remain a place of prayer for those that want to linger just a few minutes longer. God bless you as you go.